0: This time on Watchers of Tomorrow.
1: Roll up. Roll up to the mystery tour. Roll
2: up. Roll up for the mystery tour. Roll up up it's an invitation. Roll up for the mystery tour. Roll up to make a reservation. Roll up for the Mystery Tour Magical Mystery Tour is waiting to take you away Waiting to take you away Roll
0: up Roll up for the Mystery Tour
2: Roll up Roll up for the Mystery Tour You got everything you need Roll up for the Mystery Tour Satisfaction guaranteed. Roll up up, for the mystery tour. The magical mystery tour is hoping to take you away.
0: Hoping to take you away.
2: Hi everyone, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the Sci-Fi Review and Critique Show. My name is Gepwin and I am joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dr. Izix. Hi. And this week, I don't know if it's sci-fi or any of those other things.
0: <laughs> Sci-fi-esque?
2: Yeah. So, this, I, th- there's a there's an old adage in science fiction writing, especially from, you know, 40s to 70s for pulp novels and the sci-fi magazines and stuff. Science fiction is metal and rivets, and fantasy is castles and horses. That's it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Anything else is just superfluous uh, extra uh, baggage to, uh, to work your particular story is needed.
2: Now we've had this discussion before. I feel like it's a little weird to define an entire genre of fiction purely on setting.
0: Yeah, it's a little weird, yeah, because uh, you know, it sort of leaves out, you know, things like themes or points or, you know, general ideas that come into the play. Like, noir is also, you know, you know his, the whole dark, greedy sort of stuff going on. But there's also generally an air of mystery of not being certain about the world's going on around you. But, uh, you know, if you're just going to be saying, oh, just have it in a dark city, well, that's a cool movie. But, you know, you know the dark city is more than that, right?
2: yeah. I mean, if, if you were defining it by, by setting, then noir would just be 30s New York fiction.
0: Yes. <laughs> Which is not what it is. <laughs> I mean, you could possibly say, you know, Chicago as well, but you know what I mean.
2: <laughs> so anyway, I think it's an interesting one because I would call this, by definitions I go on, I would call this episode more sci-fi than fantasy, even though it's using a lot of fantasy tropes, but it'll make more sense to have that discussion once we talk about what we're actually talking about.
0: Of course. Wait, we're not talking about it yet? (laughs) No. Oh, okay.
2: I don't know what we're talking about because I haven't even introduced the name of the thing. People are probably very confused. What is this show? Welcome to the two people talking about something you don't know about yet show.
0: So maybe we should start uh, by introducing this episode then.
2: We could. Or we could switch over the show and the entire goal is that we talk about a thing without ever naming it and then people guess what it was.
0: Hmm, Like a a contest or... you know, experience sort of a you know a podcast.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like Jeopardy, the podcast.
0: <laughs> what is the magics of Megus two?
2: <laughs> yep, it's Megus two. I <laughs> thought it was t- it's spelled T-U, which is a weird. So it's not Megas two, like to the Number planet. Two, yeah. yeah, but whatever. But yeah, like, the magics what? of Megus two. Um, yeah, it's it's magic episode yeah.
0: <laughs> we got freaking wizards man
2: <laughs> so this was written by uh, Larry Brody? Brody Brody Larry Brody uh, he was a prolific sci-fi author and TV writer uh, working from the 60s until now still doing this um, he only has two Star Trek writing credits which is this episode Mangus Tau to Mangus 2 <laughs> they say it in the episode and I'm still messing it up Mangus 2, and then the Tattoo episode of Voyager.
0: Which is an interesting one.
2: Not particularly dissimilar, actually.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of crossover, I could say, yeah.
2: Somewhat similar themes. Um, he did submit a fair few scripts to the original series, including one that was some version of this, which is why he got called in to do pitches for the animated series. He was also at some point hired as a writer for Star Trek The Next Generation during the like pre-production phase of the first season. Uh, no real details on whether how much his influence got in there. He didn't really get credited on writing an episode. But some ideas might have gotten thrown around in the writer's room. We're unsure.
0: So he may have contributed something, but uh, what
2: specifically, we don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And this kind of episode in particular the like magical magical people episode just pure on magic this is something roddenberry keeps wanting to do it's an idea he loves and reportedly like was super disappointed with every time they tried to do it in the original series because the effects just didn't hold up to what he wanted so animation should have given them that freedom but the animation is not
0: great Unfortunately, the animation is pretty dang cheap, so they could yeah. only do so much.
2: I mean, it's it's not bad. They they have some stuff in here that is that is weirdly good for the level of animation we're dealing with, but it's still not that much better than what you could do with live-action effects at the time.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, so we make a castle up here, but we could have also done that with live-action effects technically, but oh well.
2: <laughs> yeah, using uh, exactly the same techniques. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay so that's that no guest stars because again they didn't want to hire anyone
0: well there was technically a uncredited guest star oh, I Ed didn't Bishop. find them oh no he's a guy who played Asmodeus.
2: did he okay
0: he's not
1: uh, credited
2: Ed Bishop okay
0: <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, uncredited yeah <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Ed Bishop was in lots of random stuff throughout the seventies and so forward and sixties. And, uh, uh, I guess the, uh, the, the, the most important thing is that he was in the day after tomorrow in 1976.
2: Huh? <laughs> they had a <laughs> 1976
0: one? Yeah, apparently. He was apparently the, uh, the, uh, author and, uh, not the author, but the, uh, the narrator, um, it's about a spaceship, so it's very different than the one that came later.
2: Crew of the lightship Aries lost in space, sucked by a meteor shower. Huh. Okay. No,
0: uh, if we have if we want to put in a random '70s uh, sci-fi movie, I guess that's something
2: to put on. Our own. Yeah, we probably should at some point. I mean, it's interesting. Not, not like trying to be Jurassic Park, but for global warming and failing miserably. But indeed. Okay.
0: <laughs> Magic.
2: Magic. So, the Enterprise is investigating what I can only describe as a crackpot scientific theory because it's just wrong in every way that I understand physics. Even Indeed. a little bit.
0: Yes, uh, it's, it's just so ridiculous that it's not even worth trying to give credence to here. Um, just, I guess we could just say it's very similar to the uh I guess the plot the the end plot of uh, Star Trek 5 yeah in that there's there's a magical place in the center of the galaxy that does weird stuff.
1: Mhm.
2: So the idea here, I guess I'll I'll ask you about all the physics stuff later cuz I'm sure you can go into some of this better than I could, but the idea here is if the the galaxy was formed by a giant explosion <laughs> <laughs> just the galaxy behind you then the center of the galaxy would be where all the matter in the galaxy is coming from. So it must be forming new matter as it expands.
0: So uh, some sort of white hole, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe? Yeah,
2: so, yeah. yeah, they go to the center of the galaxy, and they're right. There's this galactic fireworks show happening.
0: Yeah, there's like this weird uh, sort of turbulence thing, and they're like, ah, oh, we got to f- like fly into the, the eye of it. I'm like... Are they just going into a wormhole and being really badly at describing it, bad at yeah. describing it? Yeah,
2: they run into, so they get there and they're like, oh my god, it's beautiful. Look at all this. It completely changes the way we understand space and time, possibly. Then there's an energy whirlwind.
0: <laughs> As you do, you know, mm-hmm. in space, randomly.
2: You know. And they're sucked into it at warp 10. <laughs> yes. So uh,
0: it's once again we're going to be lizard time here, or in mm-hmm. time here.
2: Yeah, and then there's no way out. So they're like, "Well, maybe it's like a normal whirlwind."
0: <laughs> so if we just go into the middle of it, we'll be fine. Ah. We'll, uh, you know, it's, it's gonna be an eye of the storm situation. So they make
2: it to the calm at the eye of the storm of the energy whirlwind.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this, this I will say, the the least ridiculous thing that happens.
0: So uh, we already have piles of bad science and nonsense going on. And then things get weird. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So they make it to the middle. They're safe for a second. Then the ship disappears and goes into a red and white tunnel.
0: And uh, I'm suddenly having flashbacks to the yellow submarine. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Yeah, a little bit.
0: We should do that. We should cover that at some point. (laughs) (laughs) It's technically sci-fi, it kind
2: of. It could be. Depends on the motive of force happening for the thing. I don't know. We'd have to sing a lot. Yes. Okay, so they go through this tunnel thing and pop out in weird purpley-orange wibbly space. And Spock's instruments tell him that space-time no longer applies.
0: So, um, we should probably just be flying apart at uh, the speed of light then.
2: Yeah. New universe, who dis? Yeah. <laughs> and since physics no longer applies, everything on the ship stops working.
0: Except the people.
2: Yeah, the people Until they run s- up seem yeah. to be working still for some reason, but their technology's not. So, yeah, life support's gone. They're all choking to death.
0: Uh, well, Kirk seems fine, but, you know, he's good at being the last person to pass mm-hmm. out on the bridge, so.
2: Always makes me wonder, too. They lose life support and then they immediately start choking to death, even though they should be in a giant box filled with air.
0: Yes. So it's like we should have, you know, at least a few hours maybe of air just circulating around the ship because there's a lot of space on the ship,
2: you know? Yeah.
0: And, you know, if you're worried about like keeping things warmed up, that's could also take a while. Uh, if you're a direct sunlight near a star, you know, cooling things down, same deal. So, yeah, we shouldn't be dying right away.
2: But they do. So, yeah. cool. <laughs> the, the entire crew is gasping for air when a man suddenly materializes on the bridge. He's uh, shirtless, super muscly, and has horns, furry goat legs, and a tail.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, technically he's naked.
2: Yeah, he's a naked um, satyr. But tall, tall satyr.
0: Kind of huge and large, yes. Hmm.
2: He waves his hands around and life support comes back online. He's like, ah, humans. And they go, can't breathe. It's like, oh, yeah. Silly humans need need to breathe.
0: Yeah. I'll uh, reactivate part of your ship for something, maybe, kind of.
2: He introduces himself as Lucian and he's like, super excited to be here. Like, weird levels of excited. I do know a Lucius. Ooh. But this isn't the place to talk, apparently, so he teleports himself, Kirk, McCoy, and Spock to s- some place.
0: So, uh... So, uh, this this someplace here, is it, uh, uh, a terror dimension full of, uh, you know, incomprehensibilities?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. Well, that's unfortunate.
2: They appeared in a weird, wibbly, fuzzy, orange blob, um, and their bodies are all wibbly and transparent and all over the place and it bugs them.
0: Like okay, get pull yourselves together guys. Come on. We're, we're we're it's just embarrassing to be falling apart in front of the alien.
2: Yeah, Lucian pulls them back to normal shape and goes, "How oh, you humans and your bodily integrity?"
0: It's <laughs> all right. We'll we'll play in a in an environment where things kind of make sense that your 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 your, your human brains can make, make sense of and you could actually like interact with stuff and, like, feel like you're made out of matter for a little while.
1: Yeah.
2: He pulls their bodies back together. Kirk demands to know what the frick is going on. Um, Lucian makes a kid of himself that appears for a second, then goes away and is never commented on or mentioned again.
0: Like, okay, we're gonna do something that's gonna be, like, symbolic, but we don't really dwell on it long enough to let it sink in what's going on Mm. or why. Hmm. Yeah, is he, like, is he like playful like a child or is this is the real him when, you know, the, the adult version is just sort of the, the version that is impressive and is, you know, to make an impact or meet new people or, or what? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> he explains that uh, he's made the world look like something they can understand. And sure enough, it's all forest with lush green space and buildings and a lake and stuff.
0: Uh, I'm I'm suddenly having flashbacks to some Final Fantasy games here, though. Mm.
2: So, here the world doesn't work the way they understand, but it uses magic instead of physics.
0: So, uh, instead of uh, science points, we have magic points now. Yeah. Excellent.
2: So, everyone here uses magic. There's a woman who's, like, young and beautiful, because all the women are young and beautiful. We have to point this out, even though it's not relevant. never comes up again.
0: It's like, well... um. Time to be misogynist for a few moments yep. so we can uh, get that out of the way.
2: She's buying a potion or something. Then a man in a pointy hat uses magic to create a weird transparent building for another dude who... If everyone can use magic, you'd think he'd be able to make his own building, but I guess not.
0: Well, I guess we do find out later that a lot of the folks are very specialized in what they sort of focus on. So maybe this is the transparent building guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he's the glass architect wizard. <laughs> literally not particularly useful once you've built all the buildings
0: wait you want to what uh, let me get my, my, my wizard hat and wand I'll I'll be right there
2: Stock thinks this makes a certain amount of sense sure because if there is a thing at the center of the galaxy that is making new universe come into existence then it must exist throughout all of space and time which means it can go between universes too and they wound up in another one where magic works so,
0: uh... So I guess this is kind of similar to that time the uh, uh the you know Wesley the Traveler accidentally sent the Enterprise D often to uh you know belief land or yeah, something the like that. Yeah, the world
2: of imagination. Yay. <laughs> I mean it could be the same place, honestly. It seems to work on similar rules. So Kirk's interested in how Lucian keeps calling them all friends, even though this just seems to be a mode of speech that certain you know, guest stars of the week use on this show.
0: <laughs> so you're, you're saying that we are your friends and you're trying to get us real real chummy here. And you're also looking a little, little um uh, sadderish here. Uh, are you... What, what's your game, here? We're going to find out what it is eventually. Just, just give it to us straight, guy. Come on.
2: Lucian exposits. And I want to point out, every time one of these people exposits something, the screen is holding on a still picture of Earth. Like, no, no reanimation, just like a still drawing of Earth.
0: Well, this way they don't have to uh, animate their, their mouth moving.
2: Yeah. Or literally anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get still in.
2: So, anyway, save us some time. They exposit. Because his people searched their own universe for life, but didn't find anything. They're alone in their little pocket dimension or whatever this is. So they went through the hole in the galactic center into our universe and found ancient Earth where they lived as mystics and advisors and things. But eventually they had to leave for reasons he doesn't explain. But he wanted to stay because he really likes it there and his people think he's a little bit weird because everyone on Magus is a super specialist and he is like a chaotic generalist dude and everyone thinks he's some sort of chaotic troublemaker but now humans have come back and he's so happy and now they have to go back to the ship so the others don't find them go hide
0: so this just raises so many questions so like why did they only go to earth then
2: yeah maybe they did i don't know because earth's the center of everything <laughs> for some reason
0: yeah, it's like, so how many aliens have uh, done weird stuff with Earth throughout the aeons and uh, became Greek gods mm. or, uh, you know, ripped off whatever culture here or there and uh, everywhere. And and uh, now we apparently have magic. Yeah.
2: People. And if you look at the frickin if they're starting in the middle and going out towards Earth, Earth is pretty far on the edge of the galaxy. We're going to the outer edge bit here. So they must have hit something in between. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe everyone up until Earth was just, you know, too 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 much of jerk faces for them. So they're like, eh, we're going to keep going until we find a, a place that's just right. Or something.
2: So everyone gets teleported back to the ship, and they're a bit confused because they don't know what the frick is going on. Also, none of their stuff works, so they have no way to defend themselves because the only thing that's turned on on the ship is life support, and no one's even sure why that's functioning.
0: So... I guess we sit on our butts until something happens, well, then.
2: Spock has a plan. It apparently involves drawing pentagrams on the floor, because he's hit his emo phase.
0: Ah, Spock, it's about dang time. You're, you're how many years old? You should have done this when you were a teen. Come-
2: so, his logic is that since here magic is science, he should just be able to use magic, because for some reason he should know how this works, even though he, I don't know, like... Earlier, Lucy did like Lucian said a word like he was casting a spell, like there's something you need to know to make it function. But apparently not, because Spock just goes, I believe that the power of this universe will let me move a chess piece. And then it does.
0: Spock, you're telekinetic. No, no, this is magic. This isn't uh, psychic yeah. power.
2: Yeah, oh, magic. Mage <laughs> hand.
1: Yes.
0: So uh, apparently Spock has figured out how to manipulate the weave and uh, just sort of, I guess he's a sorcerer now, so that's cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Just innate, innate magic abilities. So now that, now that they know they can, everyone starts using magic, including Sulu, who makes a woman, who then he moves into Kiss, but then she explodes and becomes Lucian.
0: Tricked again. I guess this is the last time I uh, try to... Uh, create life with the powers of my mind.
2: Lucian's a bit upset that they keep using magic because it can and will be noticed. <laughs> so you're,
0: you're saying that magic is how this world works, and we need to go hide, and you don't tell us not to use magic in the process? Lucian, you're bad at this, aren't yep, you?
2: very bad at this. But... Somebody did notice, and a big booming voice goes, Yo, I noticed. And then weird demonic imagery and stuff keeps wibbling in front of the screen. And I'm pretty sure it's George Takai going, Whoa, have found you. Ooh. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm, some of this imagery is sort of giving me flashbacks to Inuyasha, oddly enough.
2: I could see this. So the ship gets dragged down towards the planet that they were on. And then gets ripped in half, literally in half, and explodes.
0: Yeah, they're just going to cut their ship in half, and uh, now everyone's dead. So that works, right?
2: You thought blowing up the Enterprise in Star Trek Three was a shock. This just came out of nowhere. Just, oh, darn.
0: Yeah, so we cut it in half and just kind of uh, dematerializes. Neat. Mm -hmm. All right. I guess the series is over. So
2: the crew appear in stocks. And a recreation of Salem, Massachusetts.
0: Now, this is stocks, as in you know, those boards with your like hands through the, the and head through the holes, not like stocks and
2: blocks. yeah, not stonks. <laughs> stocks, not stonks. Also, the one three armed dude on the bridge gets an extra hole for his arm.
0: Yeah, it's convenient they did mm-hmm. that. Uh, well, I guess you know, if the whole point is to keep people sort of in place, you know that's Awfully not necessary, though. I guess it keeps it from being able to fiddle with the mechanism. and let
2: yeah out. So. I my complaint. Now, there's a lot of megan's here. They call them megan's because they're on megas. It's weird. It took me a bit to, to catch on to that for some reason because it's such a strange sounding word.
0: You know, also, they're all named megan's. Yeah, so.
2: it's very confusing. They're gathered around <laughs> dressed as pilgrims. <laughs> Sure. Hmm. The judge, well, Asmodeus, says he's a specialist in magical ethics, so he's going to be the judge.
0: Ah, so if you're the most ethical person here, then uh, what's ethical about hiding your, your, yourselves away from the, the rest of the universe and letting billions upon people, billions of people to suffer?
2: And I guess he's going to sort of get into that, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I will give him this. <laughs> he's sort of working with it. It doesn't go like we just have to kill you now.
0: Yes, so it's like, all right, well, we're going to like give you an actual like trial, mm-hmm. so let's actually do that. They so
2: accuses humanity of being bad and wrong and evil, because when they were on Earth years ago, people demanded that they keep using their power for their own personal gain, and when they refused, they were demonized and eventually cast out of society until they all sort of decided to come together in the new American town of Salem. That didn't turn out well.
0: Yeah, some, some stuff happened there at some point.
2: Yeah, because, you know, all of these men who use magic who are the only people we've like talked to are men. There's some women in the background, but it's mostly men who use magic. They were definitely the ones that got attacked in Salem. The men.
0: Uh, Not, 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 not not majority of them being ladies instead. Whoops. It
2: wasn't just an extension of like brutal sexism that pervaded life at the time. And even somewhat today, and a bunch of politically motivated land grabs and stuff. No, these, these dudes use magic.
0: <laughs> so they must be destroyed.
2: Yeah. So anyway, they, they Salem witch-trialed them.
0: So Would they be able to like, use their power to like not be hung?
2: You'd think so. I mean, I guess that we've, it was fine. They didn't say all of them died or something. They just got tortured a bit, I guess. Then they decided to use the last of their power to teleport back here.
0: That works. I guess they recharged now. Yeah,
2: and they've been here ever since.
0: That Earth place sucked. We shouldn't have stopped there. Maybe we should have gone to that nice Vulcan planet.
2: So Asmodeus goes, we don't want to hurt you. Give us a reason not to hurt you. And is anybody going to speak in defense? And Spock goes, yep, I'm an outsider to stuff because I'm a Vulcan dude.
0: So uh, this, this half-human, half-Vulcan is, is the sufficiently outsider guy while the guy with the three arms
2: is yeah, no more. No, no one else could speak as an outsider to Earth. Here, Maybe he was born on Earth. You don't know. Maybe that guy was born and raised on Earth just because he's an alien.
0: Wait. Did he come from West Philadelphia? <laughs> was he born and raised there?
2: <laughs> yeah. Sounds likely to me. All
0: right. Well, that's, good. that's good to know.
2: So Spock calls Lucian as a witness. Lucian disappears from the stocks and appears in a witness stand. It's kind of a neat trick, but seems unnecessary. Um, yes. <laughs> he explains that he loves humanity because... Humans act together and share knowledge and are more generalistic and don't have to act so individualistic and specialized like the people on his planet who all act alone and by themselves.
0: So, uh, community, he likes that apparently. Oh, that's kind of cool. Wait, didn't you guys like leave this special dimension because you were looking for like people to go hang out with mm-hmm. and all that in the first place?
2: Yeah, but they hated that. They're like, ah, oh, I just wanted to stay home. Why did I think going out was a good idea?
0: pocket dimension of introverts plus lucian
2: yeah <laughs> then Spock calls kirk who gets into how much humanity has learned and changed since the days of salem tells them to look at the enterprise records all of earth history and see how much it's changed osmodius agrees that humanity seems to no longer be a threat after they look at all these like magnetic tapes and little punch cards
0: yeah you know it's, you know do you remember, do you recall in, you know, you know to us that uh You know, like the the record tapes were like these little, you know, cards, plastic dealios here. They just put into the computer and things like that. So uh, I guess this is getting a little bit more detailed as far as that stuff goes. Yeah,
2: They're not little wooden blocks, colored wooden blocks.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Hmm.
0: I liked having little colored blocks when I was growing up. Maybe Star Trek did too.
2: So humanity seems like it's no longer a threat. (laughs)
0: Alright, so you guys are no longer like going to try to murder us, um
2: But what else you got? Lucian <laughs> betrayed his people, so now he's gonna be sentenced to live in purgatory all alone.
0: Dang. So you're gonna basically uh you know, torture our sadder friend over here mm. and make him be lonely when the only thing he wants is some friends. You guys are mean.
2: Yeah, Kirk objects, because... You know, for this guy who's just spent a lot of time talking about how important it is for him to be around people, and how he's already lonely, forcing him to be lonely for all of eternity is actually pretty bad. And we're not going to let you do that.
0: Oh, well, what if we like stick him in a a, a comet in the uh, Delta Quadrant where there's a another guy that's kind of in a similar boat? So, uh, we'll just keep them together. And they'll yeah, on.
2: they can hang out. It's fine. Yeah. Osmodius <laughs> then goes, "Oh well, but." What if I told you Lucius was Lucifer? Oh Dun dun dun, no one could have seen this coming. Kirk doesn't care because he's like, but you know, he's still a living thinking being. Shouldn't torture him.
0: Yeah, and uh, plus we're uh we're the Federation, we we our religion is miscellaneous, <laughs> so
2: Sometimes we have one, sometimes we don't. <laughs> Sometimes yes. we're all about God and apple pie. Depends on how much we're pandering to the network that day.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> Other times it's like, um, science is cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of leave it at
2: that. <laughs> uh, Osmodeus will not relent and Kirk ends up having to do a wizard duel with him because Kirk can do magic now.
0: Ah, yes. No, uh, well, uh, Kirk has always been kind of magical.
2: Though. mm so they just do the, like, haha! Fire, no water. Now you're in thorns. Now I have a shield. Now I'm shooting lightning out of my hands.
0: This does remind me a little bit of uh, the Sword and the Stone uh, duel between uh, Merlin and uh, what was it um, Mab, Mab? Yeah, I don't
2: know.
0: Um, except like a lot less interesting as far as the animation goes. Yeah,
2: less creative and less animation. Just less overall. I'm just gonna- <laughs> But uh, no one wins. Asmodeus makes a big explosion reset thing. The ship is back. Everyone's fine. And they go, hey, this was all a test.
0: Oh, um, okay then. Yeah. So so either this was actually a test or Kirk was about to kick his ass.
2: Yeah, probably that. (laughs) But Kirk's willingness to defend Lucian even after all this means humanity really has changed. So they're cool now.
0: So you're saying that if you have sympathy for the devil, you're, you're good to yeah. go.
2: Lucian materializes drinks and has a toast to all their new friends. Hmm. Back on the ship, uh, they return to normal yeah, space. Let's get, let's get drunk. And McCoy speculates on whether or not that really was Lucifer. Spock goes, well, if it was, it was the second time he was cast out, but the first time he was saved.
0: Dun, dun,
1: dun!
0: So, uh, I guess, uh, you know that you know, Lucifer has been been saved. He's been he's been born again. That means
2: that means something. Does
0: that means something? I, I'm I'm not too much of a theologian <laughs> mm-hmm. here for it to make total sense, but
2: <laughs> so this is just, this is definitely not the message I th- thought we were going to get from a uh, '70s TV show.
0: Yeah, I guess it's sort of like you know it's. You know, it's cruel to isolate people and uh, leave them confined forever to never have friends. Mm -hmm. And that maybe, maybe, maybe the power of friendship is worth fighting.
2: No matter who they are. You know who got a bad rap? The devil. (laughs) (laughs) The devil. (laughs) In fact, I don't know. I I had to look this up, but. Apparently everyone on this thing is some sort of archdemon because Asmodeus is the archdemon of Something I forgot. He's like a weird animal like multi-animal dude with like four heads and, and he's he's another archdemon of hell and according to some of the um, expanded uh, Jewish texts
0: so you got like uh, Lucifer who's pride mammon greed Asmodeus lost oh my! yeah <laughs> Don't forget Leviathan, Beelzebub, Satan, and the one everyone forgets, Belphagor.
2: And in the original draft of the script, Lucian was was going to be named Ball. Another one.
0: <laughs> Wait a moment! Then we could have had a Stargate crossover.
2: Baldur's Gate.
0: <laughs> I had a Baldur's Gate crossover. <laughs> Why not?
2: So yeah, it's just this place is just demons. Like they basically did a. Everything we know as hell is just these poor dudes who came to try to help. We were over greedy. They went no, and we just demonized them, literally demonized them.
0: Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. I guess it also kind of draws a circle around, it's like you know, we, we don't really need like outside forces tempting us and pushing us to do evil. We're kind of jerk faces on our own. Yeah, and 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 maybe you know, putting our own failings on these sort of external uh, sort of entities is basically just trying to pass the buck for our own failing.
2: That's an interesting reading of that. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, the, one of the original passes of this script, according to what I was reading, was that they wanted to include God as a literal character because Roddenberry kept wanting to do this. God is an alien. and
0: yeah, it's, it's a thing that keep, keeps cropping up in various ways. Yeah,
2: and they, they would not let you literally include the Abrahamic God <laughs> as a character on sixties and seventies American TV. Go figure.
0: Yes. <laughs> we're we're not in the DC comics universe in like the eighties and nineties yet. Uh, we're not quite there.
2: Guys. Now Futurama did that later in a weirdly good way. That's like a weirdly good depiction of God in a cartoon. <laughs>
0: Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> well, it's
2: just like the whole thing is like, maybe, maybe it's God. Does it matter? Mysterious ways and all that jazz.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of chilling. It's, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a good episode, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
2: that was. This one's weird. This one was better than I expected, even though it's not great.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of goofy and uh, it has some head-scratching moments, but, you know, as far as, like, the having a cohesive conclusion, it actually kind of works. They've also, like,
2: it's got better messaging. This is starting to get a little bit more next generation on its moral messaging.
0: Holy smokes, me. Like, being decent people is kind of the the way you should be going here as opposed to, uh, I guess, Punchy Cleons is the way Yeah, well, even,
2: even, like, the speech that Kirk gives, you can contrast, like, this with say um oh why am i blanking the war computers
0: oh uh, the uh, uh taste, yeah, of, taste armageddon. of
2: armageddon there we go. i keep getting stuck on private little war which is the war crimes episode but yeah taste of Arm. you contrast this with his speech in taste of armageddon and in that one it's very much like we shouldn't fight each other because we all really want to kill each other literally all the time but we're capable of holding back.
0: Yes. <laughs> Which is, I guess, sort of w- what the, uh, the, the, the the magical demon people here are sort of saying that that's how humanity is to their minds. But they kind of find out like, oh, no, uh, Kirk and the rest of humanity has apparently changed since that point. So I guess it's probably good they didn't run into them during the original yeah. series.
2: Well, his speech here is just like we are going to like torture this dude who's the literal devil and kirk doesn't go like no our instinct is to kill but we can hold back and it makes us better than other people or something he's just like but he's a sentient being and it's wrong to do that to a sentient being no matter what they did
0: very much a no this is the standard we're going to have from the get-go and you know who cares about sort of our you know ancient instincts or whatever you want to sort of, you know, try to dredge up here uh, as sort of a, something that we're, we're fighting against, then we should be pat on the back to, uh, to be resisting because no, we're actually going to fall you uh, focus on the actual ethics. here. Yeah.
2: And also your, inst- I don't know the instinct stuff, all this, all this like explaining human instincts things is this smattering of like, you can't actually research this stuff. So it always has a smattering of like, just explaining the way the world works as if that's how it's always worked. Without actually yeah. looking into whether that makes sense, even on a basic level.
0: I see this is how things operate in these situations of which I've been exposed to. So clearly this is a universal experience. Ho ho! I am going to now philosophize about why this is good or bad or whatever.
2: Yeah. That's a lot of these. I don't know. Our base instincts are this thing and the world has changed faster than our instincts can or some buggery. And then I, a lot of original series got into that. We already went into that. This one yeah. didn't. Yeah. It's just like, this is a sentient living being and we shouldn't torture him because he's a sentient living being. No other reason.
0: Like We're, we're going to have, you know, uh, just this is the basis of our ethics here that this is something that is, you know, inherently wrong. And, not worrying about you know all the fiddly bits outside of that, yeah, you know, it's 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 unimportant.
2: So I think the the other thing that I it didn't occur to me till I was kind of thinking about this when we were doing the intro, but like <laughs> this episode actually is a pretty good a pretty good case study for my particular argument on like a difference between science fiction and fantasy genres. Oh, because so. I'm, I've always been a little bothered. Like, let's be clear. If, for fantasy, we always mean medieval fantasy because Lord of the Rings and Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe kind of defined the fantasy genre for our entire lifetimes.
0: Don't forget the Yellowstones of Shannara. Yeah, that
2: too. <laughs> so we just, like, anytime we say fantasy, everyone knows you mean some version of medieval fantasy, swords and sorcery fantasy.
0: You're gonna you're gonna have yourself a, a Berlin analog, and you're gonna have someone with a sword, and there might be a big bad who is either, uh, you know, a uh, a, a, an evil wizard, or an evil king, or an evil dragon, or an evil all of those things at the same time, you know.
2: But technically, fantasy should mean like anything that you can make up. Generally, it's uh, what yeah. the word means. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: and uh, yeah, you could you, know, you could sort of you know suggest maybe some tropes, but. Not even, like, one of them is totally necessary at the end of the day. Yeah, so,
2: like, you know, Alice in Wonderland, fantasy, even though it's not exactly swords and sorcery, you get some edge cases there. I would keep having this argument that there's a decent amount of something like, say, Star Wars that's more science fantasy than science fiction. And a lot of people were... I've heard this argument recently that I half agreed with, that that it has more to do with the sort of magical exceptions that you have to make in order to make things function. Like for example, in, in Star Wars, there's like literal magic and hyperspace works and you don't have to explain why and all these other things. But you get the same kind of thing in Star Trek, which was also their arguments. Like, you know, everything works off magic space rocks, teleporters shouldn't function this way. There's just a bunch of exceptions you have to just go with in order for things to make sense.
0: And uh, we'll occasionally bend the rules that we've already established in order to make something work for the, stop, the, the the script this week.
2: But for me, the science fiction thing, and I've mentioned this before, but you should look up this marvelous essay by Ursula K. Le Guin that was the intro to uh, Left Hand of Darkness, which is her personal sort of ethos of science fiction that I very much agree with. It's, it's very much more about exploring the relationships between people And usually technology, but even in something like this, which I think is what makes it an interesting case study, is this starts to explore the relationships between people and (laughs) non-technology. You've put it in a science fiction universe where everything works on technology, and then you take that and suddenly plop it into a world where nothing works on technology and everything works on magic. And you go, well, what if this then? And you actually have to explore the dynamics and how it affects the people involved.
0: Exactly. And so we very much have several instances throughout the story here where it's like, okay, our technology doesn't work. So that means we're going to die in a few seconds. Um, so that's bad. Uh, and so you, know, you, get, you get this replacement for Lucian you know, turning on the air again. Uh, and, and, and so, okay, so we're not really operating on technology anymore, but we have this other system in place and there's still at the end of the day this sort of system of of, of, of rules that, and how things get done that are that is present and so to a certain degree the, you know the, the what you call it doesn't even really matter
2: now they really now see the thing is they should have explored this a little bit more but a lot of the thing with this is kind of okay humans are basically humans now we have magic what does that mean for people? And in this case, they're kind of positing that if people had access to magic, it would bring out sort of our base instincts and be bad. But then they're interestingly not, they don't explicitly say it, but they're interestingly going like, but that's just a function of the society that people exist in at the time, because now we wouldn't do that because we have developed our society to the point where we don't need to. Whereas in you know ancient times... People were more fun were like operating in a system that made them want more fundamentally like greed and power, so it's an interesting one. It's like if you had magic, what are the things that would happen which there are some like more hard magic systems that kind of explore that It's like there was a i'm forgetting the name of the book, but there was a economics book a while back that was basically like if magic existed as laid out in Dungeons & Dragons, what would it do to the economy of the world? Because one druid could quadruple the output of most farming communities.
0: So you could have a, a huge population boom, but at the same time, uh, as uh, you know, some other wizards over there are burning through their, uh, their various uh, material components, suddenly diamonds are rarer than basically anything.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if you can, like... Use a diamond to make enough food to feed a castle for a year. What does that mean about the workings of your society? And that's an interesting place to go with these things. And that's a lot more what science fiction tends to do, as opposed to fantasy, which is just like there's magic and we're going to do cool adventury things with it. But not like the world itself is so different from how the world is now. It doesn't really make sense to do a, like, well, how does this affect people? It's a lot more world building, Like, Lord of the Rings, like, nobody exists, nobody from modern times, like, has a particular analog in that world. We're not going, well, if this thing was happening to, like, modern humans, here's how you would act, and it, it reveals these interesting things about humanity. No, it's this guy spent a long time making up elf languages and wanted to justify it to himself.
0: Yes. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to remember what what it was called exactly, but I, I think there was like a, a fan fiction, maybe that of uh, Napoleon's uh, conquest of Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of positing, okay, you have Middle Earth, and what if Napoleon found a, a mystic portal to let him go there, and uh, and so 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 how would the 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 politics and warfare and all that. Of you know you know you know eighteen hundreds uh, Europe sort of interact with a world like that, um, but I'm diverging.
2: Well, here you get right. some anyway. interesting stuff like that, and I I feel like it's kind of a shame to have to define everything by setting, like I was saying before, because you know something like His Majesty's Dragon is more historical fiction with dragons in it. It's like, well, what if we had dragons during the Napoleonic War? How would that have affected nation-state warfare during the 1800s? Yeah, it
0: would have been a little different, <laughs> you know. There's another book that was sort of a similar sort of vibe. but I'm not remembering the name of it right off the top of my head. So yeah, far and that.
2: then you get in these weird things. I've gone on this rant before, but like, is are the Dragons of Pern a sci-fi series or a fantasy series? Because half the books are fantasy and then half the books are revealed that it's an ancient space colony so is it science fiction after you find the spaceship
0: or was it science fiction the whole time or is it still not science fiction even after finding the spaceship
2: yeah you just see this is just ridiculous i don't i I keep getting on this rant but like sci-fi as a genre has become so useless (laughs) and it ticks me off a little (laughs)
0: I guess in that case, you know, having some some digging down to sort of the you know subgenres and maybe focusing more on those because they tend to have a little bit more well defined sort of bounds for them.
2: Yeah, subcategories could be better.
0: Yeah, you know, there are you know plenty of categories that could be better. Like urban fantasy is like modern day, but there is some sort of magic, and that and part of it is how does this sort of affect the the goings on in this world but also how does our modern world still keep operating when this is also going on? Um, so it's sort of a, you know, it begs the the, the question. It's like, okay, so why does nobody notice this? Maybe there's some reason, and this is sort of a, you know, it's a society being as it is in our modern world sort of forces something to be true in this sort of hidden world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of one of the dynamics of urban fantasy.
2: Which actually is just... Out of nowhere, if you can find it, it's a hard book to find. There's a book called Witch and Wombat, which everyone who's interested in fantasy stuff should read because it's basically what if the fantasy world imported a bunch of D&D nerds.
0: (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) So this is how this works. Well, this means this. And thus we can, uh, you know, you can up your uh, your, your AC this much. Uh, What's an AC? Oh, well, how much you are, how, how, how quality they you are. They bring are. them
2: into the fantasy world, like, like pretending they're playing a virtual reality game. And then they're all like, nice. well, this is how stuff works here. And like, well, this is stupid. Why do you have so much tra- like walking time between towns? You didn't plan this game very well.
0: <laughs> it's It's for the realism, <laughs> man. Come on. <laughs>
2: Anyway, really good book seems to have like been like I found it at a random used bookstore once, and I barely hear anyone mention it.
0: It's not one I've read, so I'll look
2: at keep it. So out. yeah, the like you you get into the little subgenres sort of, but like it's just not well defined. Everyone has these arguments. The arguments are kind of fun, so I'm not even knocking that. But we we need to be a little more clear. <laughs> on if we're talking about just setting or if there's something else in the way that the narratives are written and communicated.
0: Is this genre as in the trappings of or genre as in the full mechanics of?
2: So anyway, I spent what that way too long ranting about that. And since this is a science fiction show, unless you had any other things, because a lot of the magic, this was a very light on plot episode overall. So unless you had any other things, well, we could I- go into some physics stuff. <laughs>
0: All right, so well, there was one thing I did want to talk a little bit about, and that's witch uh, trials.
2: Yeah, that's fun.
0: Yes, because, yeah, you know, this is kind of one the, of the plot elements here.
2: I, in fact, uh, spent some time going to the witch museums and stuff in Salem. I spent a couple of years in Boston as a kid, so I did all the touristy Salem stuff at one point in my life.
0: I, I've unfortunately not been myself, but uh, I have, uh, at various points in my education, got exposed to stuff uh regarding this and i guess one of the things that i you know sort of found out later was that the salem witch trials was sort of like at the end of the the witch panic uh you know sort of as far as you know you know how it's manifested throughout uh, history because uh it's like way back like the, the the 1300s or something like that uh there was sort of like hmm maybe witches are actually a thing and our inquisitors should be going and trying to deal with them as well and then that kind of built up and you know suddenly by the 1500s it's like everyone's like freaking out and you got you know a whole you know mass uh, efforts in order to sort of try to uh, you know root out witchcraft and witches and things like that uh, from society and then it gets all tangled up with the protestant reformation as well and it's just sort of a bad time for everybody Um, but, uh, the, and so you get, and so the Salem witch trials is sort of a, at the, at the tail end of all this, because at that point it's like, okay, we got the the Puritans who have, you know, left England, then left the Netherlands because they didn't like it there. Uh, and, uh, so they've come to, to the new world and now they've sort of taken over the colony here. And so like, well, we're also going to have a. A well-established, very uh, you know, a common law sort of structure to our court system here, and so we're going to be like you know, hanging people for witchcraft and things like that. But we want to give the fair trial too, so <laughs> so you know, we we have to sort of come up with all these sort of uh, mechanisms, and we'll we we'll use some of the ones that have been used historically, or we'll kind of come up with our own versions. And suddenly we're got in a situation where it's like, okay, so. Are you sure this is not, say, just a disagreement between these families here about, like, where they should draw the border of their their land here? Because that would make so much more sense than all this sort of nonsense you sort of built up in order to prove or disprove someone's witch.
2: Uh, The the only thing particularly (laughs) unique about Salem is that they later started using it as a tourist draw.
0: Yes. (laughs) And that's why people know it
2: yeah that's basically it that's well, like, why it's yeah. so famous
0: yes and so like you know it's like oh yeah you know, random area in France like yeah we used to burn witches all the time um but no one cares because we didn't make a to tourist now do
2: forgive me because I didn't get I didn't get a chance to do some of the research I wanted to do for this episode so there are some books that I should be able to point to but now I'm only half remembering them so I do apologize on my lack of citing for this um
0: well, if we ever co- co- you know, have a reason to cover witchcraft again, uh, you can always...
2: Yeah, if.
1: <laughs>
0: fill that in. <laughs> Just trying to remember if there's any like one uh, episodes of Star Trek that would kind of... Well, we've got uh, at least one with the kind devil. Kind of then.
2: Yeah. So, so, there's a particular kind of... You know, some of it's theorizing, some of it's philosophizing. Uh, but there's sort of this idea going through that a lot of older pagan religions, especially in Europe were much more female-centered than more of the Abrahamic religions that started to dominate during the Middle Ages.
0: You got a contrast there.
2: Yeah, so as that, women held a particular amount of power, especially slightly older women. This gets into sort of the grandmother family dynamic idea that older women had a particularly pronounced place in society because women tend to live quite a bit longer than men um tend to you know tend to it's hard to know we're putting some modern relationship dynamics on this but tend to know more about child raising than other people in the community would and also may have taken on a bit more of a sort of herbalist healer type role as someone who knows and remembers all of the plants that are good to eat and put on wounds and things
0: yeah i slapped some of this particular grass on uh you know what's his face like 20 years ago and he's still alive so it's probably work
2: again and there was also this sort of vein again somewhat theoretical there's some ev- evidence for things like this happening in ancient egypt um just Very little hard evidence because, again, this was all sort of happening behind the scenes of fancy nobles and stuff where we get most of our actual history from. That there were a lot of little problems amongst these smaller communities, like little illnesses and things, and especially amongst women themselves, where women would have problems, go to the older women in the community, they would all just take care of it amongst themselves, and men would never have to get involved. There's, in fact, was is a particular reference to a kind of um, herb slash spice that was probably used as a um, abortion trigger in ancient times, like a kind of, of late stage, bir- early you know early stage abortion, birth control herb.
0: A, a natural uh, morning after pill.
2: Yeah, and it may have been driven extinct basically through through being used too much
0: yeah if you uh are a, a lady and don't want to have kids uh because you either already have fifteen or just don't want any in general, uh, then you could uh, you know tr- track the stuff down and you know un- unfortunately if your 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 husband or whoever you know keeps on insisting on trying to have more kids then if you don't want to be doing that, then this is what you do
2: and there's things like that and also don't is i don't we don't have this information no one has this information family dynamics were markedly different even a hundred years ago so bronze age we've got no clue basically uh there's some ancient greek like writings about how horrible they were treating women but like uh ancient egypt has some mentions of uh, like priestess cults that would administer things like this to young women So. There's, there's a lot of what ifs and speculation here, but the general gist is you would have this power dynamic that centered somewhat older sort of wise women who knew what they were doing in a the community. They had a lot of the central power because they just in the community held a very, very important role. And a lot of the new stuff coming up in the middle ages didn't tend to like that.
0: Yeah, and so uh, Thomas Aquinas shows up. It's like, well, maybe there's like people that can collaborate with the devil, and everyone was like, "Oh, this means that clearly everyone we don't like that has too much power, that uh, they're uh, obviously uh,
2: witches." So yes, there's yeah. a there is a particular way of like a historical theory here that a lot of our modern like witch stuff comes from basically a power grab from the old matriarchal pagan religions into the more patriarchal abrahamic religions of the middle ages
0: so that kind of sucks and lots of people died because of it
2: which is why i pointed out that they mentioned the witch trials a lot there's this guy going off about how badly he was treated during the witch trials
0: yes and then you're doing it to your to other people now what
2: now there is a thing salem got a little bit family feudy because there is quite a bit of evidence that men men would be tortured and killed sometimes as witches sometimes because they were hiding women in their family who were witches but a lot of the stuff in salem can be traced to like t- probably some probably some some amount of abuse that may or may not have gotten reported and then that being used to shut down some women who were talking about that there's some corn fungus hallucinogen theories that may or may not hold up they're just kind of like fun things people make quasi-historical documentaries about to talk about corn fungus hallucinogens Um, but later on a lot of it did become power and land grabs so like you want your neighbor's farm you accuse his family of colluding with the devil. They torture them to death. If they admit to involvement in witchcraft under torture, then they lose their property rights under, you know, old American law under the law of Salem at the time. So then their land was kind of up for grabs by the local government.
0: So yoink suddenly my farm is twice as big.
2: And that's how some of that happened. And that is where any of the, you know, male witches in Salem would have would have centered on more of a property land grab thing but it was it happened but it was rarer
0: uh, I think there's even one guy who basically refused to even enter a, a a plea for guilty or not guilty when accused because if he was uh you know if he entered a plea then that would the, the process would continue you know continue and he'd be found guilty uh or you know the opposite you know you know go you know and you know, If he's pled not guilty, you know, then if pled guilty, then it's like, oh yeah, we'll just take your stuff now. Then,
2: yeah, um, it was a somewhat legendary case, possibly, possibly a little, uh, and like hypocritical, hard to tell. But he may have died without actually saying a word during torture to preserve his family's land rights.
0: You know, it's like, well, if we're just gonna die anyway, I you know, might as well try to make sure my family still has land. So. Kind of makes sense, yeah. You know, there's the you know, though, still records and things like that, as far as all that stuff goes, is still sketchy to a certain degree.
2: And a decent amount of this comes from like stuff they have at the Salem Witch Museum. Yes. So <laughs> so
0: uh, so uh, you know, a little you know you know you know pinch of salt, as it were. <laughs> anyway, science.
2: Yeah, science. So. so yeah the galaxy was formed by a giant explosion, and there is a center that you can get to and new matter is being created
0: so that doesn't make any sense um, so the uh, but it does echo to theories that are being developed uh, you know you know throughout the, the 20th century about the big bang that oh there was some sort of big explosion and that sent all the matter and you know everywhere into the universe, and that's why we got things far away are moving away from us due to the, the whole uh, the hubble uh, redshift and all that and so you know this so it's probably someone heard it's like oh yeah there's an explosion that that's how our galaxy came to be uh, and then thought that just meant our galaxy i guess
2: i guess but also isn't there like i half remember this so maybe i'm wrong But isn't there basically no actual center of the universe? Because as far as we can tell, everything in the universe is moving away from everything else in the universe. So technically anywhere you're observing from becomes the center?
0: Pretty much. Uh, It is sort of a weird side effect of how space seems to work. (laughs) Um, But uh, there is also ideas that there might be effectively an edge to the universe, but to even reach it would require to be, you know, traveling faster than the speed of light. So it's kind of irrelevant as far as our actual uh, experiences in, inside the universe goes. Mm. So it's sort of like it's a theoretical boundary, but we don't actually know exactly where it is or where it would be or oh. how to get there or how to observe it. So it's kind of moot.
2: <laughs> what it is, what in the world is on the other side of that.
0: Yes. And uh, and even still, the the best hypotheticals about it sort of also implies that you are sitting at the the center of the universe already which is a bit of a stretch so yeah i'm a little skeptical about that myself
2: (laughs) yeah you wind up with some of these i keep having these discussions with people i'm coming at it from a math background so having bigger like larger and smaller infinities suits me fine but (laughs) keep having these discussions with people like wait the universe is infinite yeah as far as we can tell but there's an edge, possibly, as far as we may know. It's like so. There's something outside of the infinite universe, which would be bigger than the infinite universe. <laughs> well,
0: I guess there is. Uh, you know, this is maybe an opportunity to talk at length about uh, the, the the visual horizon of the universe to a certain degree, uh, where we can't really see anything beyond that because it would, you know, the objects beyond this point would be. Traveling faster than the speed of light because the universe is just expanding that much at you know relative to our current location at that distance, um, but uh, and so it's it but it effectively just sort of creates a a limit to our uh, uh, our knowledge and our ability to know about know the, uh, the universe. Uh, you know this this is the totality of things we can experience unless we figure out how to break the, the light barrier.
2: So. and then you can't even get beyond your local globular cluster without fast and light travel anyway yeah so <laughs> the universe is really big you see you don't believe how vastly mind-bogglingly big it is
0: <laughs> exactly and so uh you know if there's a infinite number of uninhabited planets and a, a finite uh, uh, uh in, you know number of uh habited planets that is in you know uh you know a, a a small number over infinity, so zero. <laughs> there's no intelligent life in the universe.
2: <laughs> yeah, you gotta love how that reduces. Yes. I mean, looking around, I can't argue.
0: Ah, thank you, Douglas Adams. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, right. yeah, there, 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 there's a lot of, lot of junk science in the the intro to this episode, and it's it basically comes off of probably half-heard or half-remembered sort of science that was kind of still being established, so. Yeah.
2: So then we're creating matter,
0: as you do, I guess. I
2: guess. <laughs> I mean, technically, they just said creating matter, so that's fine. You can create matter. You just can't create energy.
0: So yeah, you know, you can, uh, you know, send your uh, your gamma ray in, and then uh, it decides to uh, decay into an electron and anti-electron, and then you're good to go.
2: Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> then, of course, now you have antimatter. Energy has coalesced into a blob that we profitably call matter.
0: It's been uh, phase-transitioned.
2: Yeah, energy blob.
0: <laughs> and we got our empt going on here. E equals MC squared. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was making a, a young Einstein reference. Anyway. Hi, <laughs>
2: right, I think that was most... Let's see. where the Well, the center of the galaxy, as far as we can tell, is a black hole.
0: Yeah, yeah The galaxy is more... A structure that has coalesced out of the primordial uh, universe, and it, you know, is sort of like okay, we got a local sort of gravitational max, you, know, you know, you know, maximum here, and so the stuff that's close to it is going to stay around that stuff, and the stuff that's further away is going to go away as the universe expands, and so some of that stuff became a big black hole, some of it became stars, some of it became planets, um, after several rounds of you know supernova and all that. But, uh, you know, that's how we kind of got to our current galaxy.
2: Cool. Yeah, and there's a big death ray at the center of the galaxy that could wipe out life as we know it anywhere in the universe if it happens to fire off in the wrong direction.
0: Whoops. Should probably uh, make sure it's not pointing at us anytime soon.
2: Yeah, we don't know how to do that, though, so. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we could always just move the Earth, right? We could, like, hide it behind something.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> like <the> Jupiter. <laughs> Get in the yes. way, Jupiter. Anyway, so that's all the junk science. That's way too long a discussion on science fiction. That's yes. how <laughs> even your fun episode about magic is sexist.
0: Yes. Uh, so what else what else do we have, Gapwood? Where do we go from here?
2: I think now we have to go to the Galaxy's favorite game show. <laughs>
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. I hope everyone's having a good night tonight. Yeah. Our contestants have managed to rack up a number of points this, this week. And so let's get, get ready to hand out some good prizes. Our first one is the Freakin' Wizards Award, which goes to the people of Vegas 2 for effectively being such. Though some of them are more wizard-like than others for the looks of things, what do they win, Gapwin?
2: They win a dress code. Unified dress code. It's how you identify wizards from not wizards. Everyone knows this. If you're not dressing like a wizard, it doesn't count.
0: I'm suddenly having flashbacks to a uh, uh, discussion about the, uh, the 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 laundry day at the, how- the tower of Magery. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Our second award is the our prize is the becoming neo prize, which goes to Spock and Sulu for taking the use of magic pretty quickly compared, compared to all the everybody else on the ship. What do they win, Gepwin?
2: They win some coats and sunglasses. It's, it's, you just look dumb doing it in those bright colored uniforms. I'm sorry, I'm a '90s kid. I need some '90s kung fu superhero attire.
0: Yeah, if you get to stick your hand out and have it glow and do weird stuff. Come on, at least that a little stout, guys. Come on. <laughs> oh. Our third and final uh, prize today is the uh, Bad is Actually Good prize, which goes to Lucian for being both the mythical devil, but also being part of a plot to test the goodness of Kirk and Company. So awesomeness, I guess. What does he win, Gapwin?
2: They win some Paradise Lost fan fiction, because I know it's there. Oh my. I know they made Hot Lucifer. And like, he seems like a nice guy in this one, which is like, paradise somebody read paradise lost and wrote this basically
0: so uh i i won't comment on the number of uh, instances i've uh, run into uh hot versus the devil here uh because uh I, I, I don't want to implicate myself anyway uh Gabriel, take <laughs> us away
2: there's an entire tv show that's hot devil right now yes. called lucifer <laughs> like it's literally the entire premise of the show hot devil solve crimes yes <laughs> Anyway, yeah, thanks for everyone for coming and looking at the juicy hot devil on Galaxy's Favorite Game Show! So, uh,
0: should I I start singing? (laughs) Like, please allow me to introduce myself of a man of wealth and taste. (laughs) <laughs> that's sympathy for the devil by the way anyway <laughs> mm. <laughs> so what do we got coming up
2: well first thing just, this was just random I happened to have a web page up while we were talking I've hit on what I feel like we should at least mildly comment on because there's like cool new Mars rover footage and we're on a science show
0: oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, I, I saw the, the, this the first looks, picture there and it's like hooray
2: this looks a lot like Death Valley <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like uh, this, a lot like Death Valley.
0: Uh, have you seen the the video of the uh they sort of turn the camera around and like you, there's also sound so you can hear the wind. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: It's really cool, but like I mean I know I'm looking at an alien planet but with the super high def stuff I spent so much time hiking in Arizona and Nevada and Utah that like I have I feel like I've seen this.
0: <laughs> now uh Do note the horizon. It is a little closer, though, but otherwise, yeah.
2: (laughs) That's true. I mean, it's cool looking. It's neat that, like, wow, it looks so much like places I've been.
0: (laughs) Mars, it's like places you've been.
2: But with less air.
0: (laughs) A little colder, too.
2: Still mildly, still always very mildly disappointed that they don't land one of these things and discover that all the, like, You know, turn of the century authors were right and there's a canal system with giant green people walking around and the whole thing is covered in red moss.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shh, don't tell anyone we're here, but I'm a robot from Earth. Dang it.
2: (laughs) Okay, that's that. Next time next time. Yeah, go look at the the actual science. It's cool.
0: Mars. (laughs) Next time I think is another
2: callback episode.
0: Yes, it is. We're we're returning to a planet we've visited previously. A planet with violence and uh, everyone got laid and there was a gun. Also, McCoy died.
2: Yeah, and he might again.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the next episode is called Once Upon a Planet where they are returning to the fondly remembered amusement park planet. And then um, looks like. From Shoreleave. Yeah, from shore leave. And now it looks like um, Alice in Wonderland is happening.
0: Yes, but more so than previously
2: mm-hmm so this could be neat i mean i'm sure this is one that they wanted to revisit an animation just because you can maybe do something with it
0: now there's you know, a lot more uh you know magical beings and crazy costumes and things like that you can now sort of put together and you don't have to worry about the budget anymore
2: yeah now this should be interesting because this is flat out the lightest wikipedia page i've ever seen for one of these episodes <laughs>
0: That's either an intriguing possibility there or a bad sign.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah. This is the, it's Ahura's eighth best episode. Nice. So that could be cool. But yeah, I think uh, we'll have to see. This episode wasn't good. Shore Leave was, was not particularly good.
0: Kind of fun in parts, but also really, really goofy.
2: Everyone got fantasy laid.
0: Maybe they will again. Yeah.
2: They might. By the Queen of Hearts, apparently.
0: The <laughs> Queen's Heart. The Knights of Shame. Wait, it's, it's an AWOL Nation <laughs> song. Anyway, we probably tally, uh, dilly-dallyed enough as is.
2: Yeah, I think so. Go look up the Mars Rover footage. It's really cool and is real. real other planets yes. without dragons.
0: Yeah, or card people.
2: Yeah. But we got to see both of those as we continue our deep dive into fantasy. (laughs) Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow.
0: Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow. Don't stand up while the ride is in motion or you might lose your head. You have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbeam, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcasts, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more, and where possible, make sure to rate your experience, or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on YouTube.com slash Gepwin, and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix on youtube.com slash Dr. and Twitter at IzzixLP. Music is Waveform and Morris Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, Please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter that you that is now no
1: longer exists.